Yeah, I asked around. I did a little homework on you. Ain't was so much investigating you can do on a nigga overseas, but <laughs> asked around and your name your name is respected. I'll put it that way. You're you're respected in American comedy circles for the people who travel internationally. Because you gotta go outside of Trevor and David Kabuka. Like you know them two motherfuckers been spinning, but you know, <laughs> Who don't know who don't it ain't no connection at all to me who know him and let's see what they say but yeah that's i don't know to me that's 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 important because it's real easy to build a bad reputation it's hard to have a good reputation in entertainment it's real easy to be an ain't shit motherfucker man it's very easy so is it, uh, is, it, is, it is it is it harder over there or is it uh, better or is it easier rather to make it into being a good stand-up comedian that's loved by comics and the audiences alike because i suppose you have comics that are loved by uh, other comics but the audiences are like Mm-mm. correct yeah it's a lot of like the comics comics there's the ones that the comedians love that the audience is just eh, <laughs> hmm. he rubs me the wrong way i'd say the best the best example in this generation in my generation is probably patrice o'neill where yeah. I feel like Patrice, man, he sold tickets, he got love. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he was, he got booked on some stuff, but that man should have been in arenas and theaters on a regular. Like mm-hmm. the, the love to hilarity ratio was off mm-hmm. with Patrice, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, like I felt like he never was quite as loved as he should have. And that's part of it was because, you know, he was up there telling the truth. And, you know, sometimes I rub people the wrong way. You know, generally, you know, it's hard to be a big, big act and have big opinions. So it takes longer for those types of artists. It's not impossible. It just takes longer, you know. If, If your comedy plays the middle, it's not a bad thing. In fact, Chris Rock said it himself that, he's lost way more money because he curses and because he's political than comparing his wallet to Jerry Seinfeld's. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, I would say that in the States, it's probably, it's easier to be respected by audience. It's much harder to be respected by comedians, but once you are respected by comedians, you know, you got to do something heinous (laughs) to lose. To lose that respect, you know. <laughs> like you met at a club all night at the back, and then like you see, you ruin it for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit, man. It's joke thieves that still got partners, so even that ain't enough to get you really torn down. There's, um, I would say, scandal. You know, harassing women. You know, racism is probably the quickest way. Yeah. You know, to get brought down or wrong, but yeah, that that part of it. Um, it's, it's very different. It's very different. Who's in a better position now in the States to talk about race um, on stage? Is it the black comics? Is it the white comics? Depends on the perspective they're coming from. If you're a white comic trying to educate white people, you're better qualified because niggas been trying to say all that shit for the last 30 years on stage, you know. But if it's a black comic, you know, it is our responsibility to fix this country. You know, we can tell you what's going on and, you know, tell you, you know, this is what's popping, you know, please pay attention. Mm-hmm. But I think it's much more, it's much more, like I give you an example. 
when Jim Gaffigan snapped a couple weeks ago. That's a that's a great example of his comedy has always been brilliant, but he never really put any opinions in it. Um, and then Jim Gaffigan just straight, just one day on Twitter, just went on a fuck Trump rant for 24 hours. And then his fans were commenting under it. That's the last ticket I'll ever buy to your show. And he replied, fuck you. And this is Jim Gaffigan, nice, bubbly ass white dude. That message coming from Gaffigan is far more powerful than it coming from any black comic. Tiffany Hash can get on stage and go, hey, stop killing black people. But if Jim Gaffigan does it, yeah. now he's speaking to the people that never listened to us, the people who need to be reached, the people who've been ignoring black voices and, you know, black opinions. And that's where the dissemination of new ideologies and thoughts have to go. And a lot of black comics can't go over there you know i think it's a white person's job to tell people right now the most effective form of comedy from a white comic if it's about social justice it's about what's going on and you know here's some of the solutions but you know if you over here critiquing whether or not somebody should have a right to protest i don't know why y'all riot when they be shooting when shut the fuck up like that <laughs> You got a right to joke about anything. I'm never going to hate on a comic with you. I'm just telling you what doesn't connect in solving yeah. the problem, in my opinion. Yeah. It's stuff that's counterproductive like that. But you have to have, if you're going to go against the grain, you got to have perspective and you got to have an edge. And if it's funny, then it's undeniable. That's yeah. why, man, the shit Bill Burr gets away with on stage, man, I'm not here to repeat any of his stuff because I don't know what he even put out or not. But I saw Burr as recently as January of this year at the uh, Patrice O'Neill benefit. Mm -hmm. And no, man, it's brilliant stuff. And you're sitting there listening to it and you're like, oh, how's he gonna pull? Oh, shit, he pulled it off. How the fuck did he? So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just that, man. You know, I don't think any one group is qualified because I think everybody's gotta have them. Everybody's got a dog in this fight trying to fix shit. Absolutely. You know? Everyone cares at some level, everyone cares the same way. Whether they care about the same thing is another story. But yeah. at some level, you know what's wild though, bro? Like, I don't even feel like every comedian should talk about race. Yeah. Like, I feel like, because not every audience member wants to hear about it. Yeah. And some people come to a show for escapism, right? Yeah. It's like It's like the Netflix, it's like, it's like the niggas who do nothing but watch documentaries and dark shit on TV all the time about the horrors of the world. And then you got motherfuckers that just watch Dancing with the Stars. Or, it's like, I don't... Property sure, Brothers. <laughs> even if they don't have that over in South Africa, I'm sure y'all got some fuck-ass show with celebrities not doing the thing that they were famous for in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That's basically what most of these shows are. It's just, I used to be good at this. Want to see me rap? Oh, now I'm a mass singer. It's like, all right, fine. But that serves, that serves a group. That, because some people need a release. You need a breath. You need a break from the fucking world. And there's some comedians whose job it is to just be that release. You yeah. know, like, you go like Sebastian Maniscalco, man. 
to me, he's one of the top five doing it right now. But if you go to a show, he's not going to talk about gun control and abortion. No. That's not what he's here to do. And so, you know, I think every comic has, it's a beehive and every bee, you know, has a role to play, yeah. you know? Yeah, everyone is, 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 is on their own mission. Like we said, some, everyone cares, but as to what degree they care about and what they care about is, is another story altogether. Correct, correct. When you found that you were doing comedy in, when you were starting out in Alabama to now being able to play all over the States, do you see the difference in audiences, obviously? Yeah, um, the biggest difference is um, there is an intelligence curve when you're doing road comedy in smaller rooms. People don't want, people just want to laugh real quick and go home. You know, it's the bars and doing the little bowling alleys and stuff like that. Yeah, nobody wanna hear about this political shit. Nobody wants to hear but like but you have to find a balance between doing the jokes that fulfill you emotionally and then doing the jokes that get you rebooked. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> if they don't laugh, you ain't get rebooked. That's a title to a book, right? <laughs> Dude, if they don't laugh, you ain't get rebooked. <laughs> like they'll have they'll put you up in a bar and like so like I have like three or four connectors that I believe in in comedy. If you're in a room where you do not know anyone, you don't know anything, they all hate you. Yes. Start with the connectors and then go out into your like like for if it's either sports, it's food, it's relationships. Yes. You know, if you want to do religion, you could, but sports, food, relationships, we all have an opinion about that, no matter who you are. Yeah. I love this food, I hate this food. It don't matter whether or not you know me or give a fuck about my, like you, okay, continue. Let's talk about French fries. And yeah. that, that becomes the common denominator. No matter what your age, sex, gender, whatever, we all want something stuck in one of our holes or we wanna stick something in somebody's hole. So relationships, that's, I'm just saying, regardless of where you are on any spectrum of gender fluidity, whatever, we all want to bust a nut at some point. So relationships are the genesis point of having sex. So love, companionship, we all want to be wanted. That is a connector. Sports, either you hate it or you don't. Either you love it, or, you know what I mean? Either you got a favorite team or you got to split your... So you can find that stuff. So I found myself doing a lot of that type of humor when I was on the road to start out. And then the back half of my set would be what I really wanted to talk about. Or I would use one of the connectors to segue into, you know, the things that I actually wanted to explore. True that. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. I was saying that it seems like in comedy, the more famous, the more famous you are, whether with the audiences or just the general population, the more you can be yourself, which is almost back to front when you think about how fame should be. People should love you for being yourself and then you gradually become the thing that they want you to be because they hold you up. But in comedy, it's the other way around. When you're famous, you can say anything. You, you watch super famous comics saying stuff where you're like, if I said this, you guys wouldn't be laughing right now. Correct, correct. And it's because it, like in music, you sell the lie and then the moment a musician gets a conscience they tell him to shut the fuck up and just or or it's lebron it's shut up and dribble go play basketball wait what you care about shit 
Y'all don't want to hear about that. Whereas if you look at Chappelle, Chappelle has become more and more a metamorphosis of an awakened black man that he was. You can see, yeah. you can see the little the trimmings of it. 10, 15, like if you go back and watch Killing Them Softly, you, you, it's in there, you can see it, but now it's like, oh shit, he is awakened. Yes. And people love him for it. They love yeah. him. Yeah. I, it's, it's very weird. It's very weird that it's like that as a comedian. Like I just now feel like I'm getting to a place creatively where I can kind of say the edgier thing and be afforded afforded the runway to explain yeah. yeah i think you nailed it it's the runway to explain yourself you don't have yeah. to get to a point as quickly as before you now have the leeway to explain yourself right like i had i had a bit in my last special um and the first sentence of the bit is we should pay the police more money and that is not the right thing to say in america about policing but then you start connecting the dots of if you pay any job, the basic premise, I'm not going to do the bit, but the basic premise of the joke is that any job that is high paying with a good salary, people snitch on each other. So if you made being a cop a well-paid job, then they would hold themselves to a higher standard because they don't want, I wouldn't want him fucking up my money. So I'm going to snitch. But because they aren't paid well, they cling to brotherhood as a mm. sense of unity because they're all suffering together. And so once you get through all of that, they're with you. But that is not a joke I could do in a bar in Alabama, year yeah. three of my stand-up career. I gotta go on stage and go, football, don't you love football? Yeah. <laughs> fuck it, I call it soccer. They're not gonna tell me what the fuck they call it. This is America. And you clap. <laughs> what do you, what do you think that <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens oh that's oh yo another connector oh yeah shit a fourth connector shit on foreigners that'll bring them together in middle america you ever want to fucking get on board <laughs> you want the room to get on board with you man man isn't it weird that they use kilometers and and fucking, it's miles per hour. God damn it! This is America. Guaranteed applause breaks. It's so stupid. But it's guaranteed applause breaks. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, you made I, every time I'm at the Daily Show. I always miss you. I feel I've been there four times, and every time I'm there, they're like Dave. Dave Meyer always says, "Roy was just here. You just missed him. You should meet Roy." And I'm like, I should meet oh, Roy. Oh damn, man. Yeah, yeah. I like the stuff that you do, and I, and I love how unapologetic you are. And whenever you speak to another comic who's unapologetic, someone might say it's what they say, but I always say it's what they look like when they're saying what they're saying. When yeah. you are, when when you're doing a sketch, it's easy to pretend that you don't mean what you're saying, but to look gotcha. like this is actually what I believe in. Dang, I think that's. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the most man, honest. You, Everyone knows that you're not a news reporter, but to look like you mean it. It's enough. It's the suit. The suit sells it half the time, which is why I'm shocked that now that we do the show from the crib, one of the first things they said was no suits. You know, 
go in your closet, figure out what you want to wear, but no suits. We're not going to sit here and pretend to be reported. The Daily Show has always just been a reflection of what's happening in the real world. In the real world, all these reporters aren't at the house in full suits. They just got a nice little shirt, maybe a jacket, and they keep it moving. So yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to be a part of the show, but I have to tip my hat to Trevor because you know Trevor is the one that gives us the creative freedom to kind of, you know, to find the places to be funny and to say the sharp thing. And that's why I respect him because because Trevor knows I'm angry. He knows deep down I'm just an angry man. And there's a lot of shit that annoys me. And he has a way of harnessing his anger and turning it into content or a clever observation or a more, you know, a more distinct, you know, look. he can dissect. He uses anger to dissect and get to the bottom of something. I just want to scream, that's bullshit. And <laughs> both are relatable emotions yes. because, you know, at the end of the day, The Daily Show, I think it does well because it's relatable to the emotions that people are carrying right now. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel I might be wrong because obviously I don't live in America. Whenever I hear everyone talking about Trump, right? Mm -hmm. It's obvious that he's an asshole. I always feel like, how do we as people feel like if he wasn't the candidate that's running against him now, if Biden wins, what does it mean for Roy, the black man in the US? What does it mean for Eugene, the black man in Africa who likes coming to America once in a while and experiencing American shit? <laughs> what does it mean for me if Biden all of a sudden in November is the president? Well, Biden for one means for you that it's going to be a quicker path through customs and immigration <laughs> to get your ass into the country. Let's just start there. They ain't going to be asking you all them extra questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if we talk about it globally, yeah. you know, Donald Trump is a man who has represented bigoted views and has not denounced the support of bigoted groups, you yeah. know, and groups that promote hatred and violence uh there he has supporters in numerous foreign countries i can't think of another president that's had people wearing his his merch <laughs> like there's people in japan wearing maga hats right now there's people in the middle east that support donald trump which means they support a lot of his negativity that empowers and emboldens hatred across the globe and i think if you have someone like Joe Biden in office, at minimum, you get that off of the table. America is the laughing stock of the world, as it should be. So maybe that, America can at least be the, the one business that you see. You ever pass by a business that's not been doing well, and then you see a under new management sign, and you go, yeah. all right, yeah. maybe I'll go in there again. They got a new manager. Like, yeah. that's, I feel like that's what we need. Um, uh, but if we're talking domestically, you know, there's going to be, I'll say this about the presidency, you know, more often than not, when you're choosing a presidential candidate, because we only have the two party system, I've seen them South African ballots. Y'all have like 20 motherfuckers on them ballots sometimes. It'd be, I'd be like, who the fuck are all these people? Like that, okay, but that's, that's what real democracy looks like. 
you know, we're over here still talking about should there be a three-party system? Y'all in a 14-party system. And I, I often feel like the choice of a president in America is a choice between getting kicked in the balls or punched in the balls. And if nothing else, then to mix it up. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should stop being kicked in the balls. Let's see if Biden just grazes us. Maybe it won't be a direct blow. But it's it's better than what's currently in office. Um, I do believe that Joe Biden is a candidate that can, you know, unify America. There's going to be a bunch of people that's not going to rock with him. And the transition of power, if Biden wins, is not going to be smooth. And it's going to take some time for him to get the pieces worked out. But I think that when you talk about what it means for Americans, as it affects the global market, let's just look at the coronavirus. I mean, off that alone, you could get a better um, pandemic response team reinstated that was disassembled by our current administration. You know, yeah. Americans still traveling. We still flying over to where y'all at. We coming over there coughing like a motherfucker too. So <laughs> you at least need somebody that's going to be on top of things and be more responsible and not put himself and his businesses before it, the need greater good to the American people. Yeah. If African Americans had a choice, who would they have instead of Biden running against Trump? I'm sure you you sit with your friends and family and you talk about it, right? Because we had we had a Trump in South Africa just to give an example. He did like he was rolling with Gaddafi. He was just looting the state coffers, you know. So we've we've had our fair share. We've lived with the Trump for ten years. So, and we always thought if Cyril Ramaphosa, who's the president now, comes into power, some sense of normality would come back, you know. And we're seeing it now. We have state inquiries which are looking into corruption that was done under his old administration. Um, the coronavirus response was very good. We were on lockdown for five months and we came out pretty good. You know, the numbers are looking good. We're on level one now, so we can fly around the country, mm -hmm. but we were locked down. But then we think, I think to myself, if that president that couldn't get people housing <clears throat> was still in charge when we had a pandemic like we did, we would be fucked. So at least we had someone to look up to and go, if that guy comes in, we're good, <laughs> you know? And it happened. <laughs> I, think, so I, mean, I think the coronavirus put some things in perspective, but I think that it probably created an extra, it really exposed the ineptitude of Trump's administration. But when you look at what's happening in America, you have to vote for a candidate, more, especially if you're talking black people, right? Now we're just talking black people. The black voter is often forgotten. The black voter has never had their needs met. The black voter is always asked to vote for the greater good of the country and not their own personal interests. So sooner or later as a black voter, you have to decide, all right, man, look, I got to vote for who got me. Which one of you motherfuckers is going to help me? And that's part of why Trump has some support from the black community. Not a lot. I think it was like 8% of black people, you know, as a whole that were rocking with Trump. But you know, Trump can sell some wolf tickets. Yeah, he can lie his ass off. Oh, I'm going to help black colleges and black jobs and black unemployment. 
And when you don't have a candidate, it's going to take more than somebody like Biden coming out and going, Black lives do matter. Yes, Black people. Yeah. There's a lot of Black people that are reluctant on Biden. You know, they asked Biden about the defund the police. He's started, uh, 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 do you support defunding the police? Uh, 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 uh. And for some Black people, that is a very serious issue. It's a single, it's a single issue voter. Do you support in the reallocation of funds to demilitarize America's police departments? And, yes, he, and maybe they ain't asking the question right to Biden, but Biden definitely ain't answering that shit right. So, you know, they're going to be, but still better than Trump. But again, if you're in a community that's afflicted with police harassment and police issues, vote for Biden is still a punch in the dick. Yeah. So... <laughs> Because that's what that's what matters to you. Yeah. What matters to you is, hey man, we're broke, and we. That's why. That's why environmental issues are so hard to sell, and I think they're the most important out of all of them. But they're the hardest issues to get people to really value and appreciate because, you know, the way I try to describe America to people is that you know, America is it's a, it's an apartment building. Yeah. It's it's an apartment building, and you got people up there in the penthouse living nice. Mm -hmm. You got people down in the basement, and their shit is getting flooded. They have rats. They have mold. It is terrible. Yeah. But everybody in the building is supposed to vote on a new landlord. Yeah. While experiencing so, the differences in the building. Two different experiences happening in the same building, and the new landlord comes in and goes, you know what we need? We need central heat and air. Motherfucker, that's not what I need. Yeah. Maybe somebody on the 10th floor needs central heat, but I need you to come get these rats in this mold. Well, we'll get the rats in mold and say, but wouldn't you like a nice fucking basketball court out there on the side of the... I'm bringing basketball. And so you have a candidate... <laughs> you have a candidate who's bringing... Who's, you have you have you have a, you have an existing landlord that's run the building to shit. Yeah. And then for some black people, for a lot of black people, Biden is the new landlord who is going to speak to issues that don't always Get affect attention. you personally, but yes. they are for the betterment of the building. The building does yeah. need central heat and air. It does need new power. But that's not what you give a fuck about. Yeah. So how excited would you be to go and vote for him? You yeah. will. Most will, yeah. but you're not going to be excited about it. Yeah. And I think that's what this election lacks. That's why we ain't got no puffy vote or die shirts this year. We ain't got no, yes. no black merch. Yeah, that's Obama was running. We had black t-shirts every four years. It was a new t-shirt. Hope, motherfucker, vote or die. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just Biden, and it's just... Eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's all you need to know to assess the level of black americans excitement for this election there's no merch <laughs> we just don't like even like adding kamala definitely helped uh kamala harris being his vice president being his running yeah. mate that helps a lot that helps a lot, but you know, it, it's 
their relationship with the criminal justice system yeah something that they're going to have to answer to yes sooner or later yeah. and you know i do believe that you make the best you make the best decisions you can with the information you have at the time so i'm not going to sit here and critique well you did something 30 years ago so you unqualified now the same law they use for 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 people that have been to prison not to vote and you like if someone has paid their debt to society surely they have a right to say how things should be in their society right agreed and you know it's you know joe biden's on the record for voting for a lot of stuff when he was in government that was not good for black incarceration rates and kamala harris represented you know the state you know the top prosecutor but if someone you have to take someone at face value and if they say here's what i'm going to do now that has to be enough yeah because otherwise you're about to be stuck with the same landlord who ain't said shit about it <laughs> i think you should have a children's book about <laughs> right, trump ran a pr campaign against five black men being falsely accused of rape and to this day hasn't apologized for it and that's yeah. who you think gonna be better at incarcerating and freeing black people no nah, dog go on give me kamala and the old dude who might not know where he at <laughs> i think you answered one of them like he don't know where he at i'm not saying he <laughs> off in the head it's just sometimes he get out the car and he's like what the fuck city is this oh yeah okay. biden has the tendency of making uh donald trump look like a spring chicken which is very hard to do but he yeah he, yeah did you, did you, did y'all, here's, here's a question for you not that i'm supposed to be asking you questions no, 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 no. <laughs> what was the takeaway from our presidential debate were any did you watch any highlights of it did you like trump just constantly yelling and cutting the man off and i know it's not necessarily must-see tv over there however i'm always curious as to how much people laugh at us because i know boris johnson is kind of an idiot in the uk but he's not trump level like boris he's a trump that listens to his advisors when it's time to sh he knows when to shut the fuck up yeah, Trump goes harder. He's also got the queen, so he's not really in charge. You know? Yeah, he has an overseer. He's got like yeah, a co-star. <laughs> <laughs> so what I always say to a lot of American people that I know, I always say, you must remember that our exposure to Trump is different from what you guys are experiencing of him. First, we watched him for a long time on television as a host. Who was firing people mm -hmm. it was entertaining to see he put people that we didn't like in their place you know you'd watch a contestant that you feel like you hate in a tv show and then trump would have them in the boardroom and go tell them to go fuck themselves then that was funny and then he ran for presidency yeah. after the person that we always looked at as our guy because the world also looked at obama as obama as their guy yeah, but yeah. they never really yeah. experienced obama's anything so when he won, it was a thing of, okay, guys, uh, you'll take it from here. We'll see you after this, right? So we, the world left afterwards. We only started peeking back in when the domestic violence started happening. So we, we <laughs> so when the domestic violence started happening, we like, we slowed down and we would watch. And then we slowly like parked our cars by the lawn. And then year four, we're like, God damn, this guy's an asshole. And the police, 
And then everyone was like, he's friends with the police. The, he, 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 runs, he runs the town. <laughs> his town is his. So his wife was busy going, they were like, get out of there. So whenever, <laughs> whenever we go to America, because we, we look at you guys as the domestically violated women, we get there and we find you guys the Starbucks. You guys are watching baseball. You know, you guys are at the Central Park with your feet up. Then I'm like, did you guys not get beat up? Then you go, oh, yeah, he does tend to do that at times. Yeah, and I'm like, sometimes he beats us. Yeah, so th- then I'm like, yeah. where are we now with you guys? Then you guys are like, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't trust him. But I'm like, I got through customs. I got my visa during his time. So that's why I always ask, at, at what level does it affect me? Because still today, remember that, Roy, whenever we see American news, we only see it through CNN in South Africa. So we don't have Fox unless you're online. And on BBC, they hardly talk about American news. In South Africa, 99% of the content is about continental news. So whenever we, wa- whenever we see snippets of him, it's on social media, or it's if you go looking for it, you go find it at CNN. And the anger of CNN presenters is not helping the rhetoric of Trump. It's not helping us see that he's, a, he's, a, he, he's an abuser. He, the guys at CNN make it look like they're the nosy neighbors that are just in everyone's business. If anyone had a business, they'd be in it. But then when you talk to guys, so Corona was a divider. So Corona had us looking at fundamental stuff, how you are dealing with a pandemic and a global crisis. So that's all we had to look at, all of us equally. But remember that it all started this way. We were all shocked about what the pandemic is. Then we got scared of the pandemic and then people were on furlough uh, all over the world. And some people were told, your job is still safe. When it all comes down, you're gonna come back home. But imagine how many people want to scream at their employers for lying to them, for giving them a false sense of security. So when you watch Trump shouting at another middle-aged white man, it's hard to think that they are debating policy. If he, if you were shouting at a black woman or a Hispanic man, you would firstly go, first of all, don't talk to him like that. We would get that across. Then we would say, listen to what he was trying to say. But right now it's two middle-aged men. The country, the continent, the global society is frustrated. People that are watching this are trying to figure out if this guy goes into power, how am I going to, am I going to get my job back? Is this thing going to be resolved quick enough for me to get my job back? How many yeah. people want to shout at their landlords that want to kick them out of their apartment? How many people want to shout at their bosses who said, as soon as things come down, you're coming back to work? And here's a guy shouting. It's hard to be mad at a guy who's shouting when everyone is feeling frustrated. Correct. Like, it's, it's definitely not good for Biden either to be no. shouting back. No, and that's why I always say Trump will always go down in history as the man who had lack of timing on his side. He, he, all, all of these things that look horrible end up making him look like he's the Teflon Don. Look at how he's spinning the whole corona situation. He's like, guys, yeah. I could have been locked up at the White House doing nothing, but I went to the hospital and here I am. I'm talking to you on video. I'm going to come out. I'm going to drive by and say hi. You're like, God damn it. You know, everyone, everyone who said, look at you now is now the asshole because you're like, 
have we gotten that far? Are we now saying that a guy who you don't agree with, you'd be better off with him dead? But imagine the country with a, a, state or a head of state dead from a disease. That wouldn't pan well for everybody else. But now here's a guy who's taking that on his phone, talks to people all over the world and outside the hospital and comes out and goes, I'll see you after seven days, guys. I'm just, just sorting this thing out. I could have been at home, but I'm here with you in the streets. You, this man's timing is of another level. It's like if he caught, the only thing that would have been worse is if he'd have caught COVID like on election day. That's the only way it could have hurt him. Because now it's just going to show his voters, well, I don't need to worry about COVID. I got it. The only thing, you know what can hurt Trump? Is yeah. if he's on the record disparaging American troops because I believe a lot of his voters put troops ahead of the presidency, which they should, or if he calls the people who died from corona losers. Yes. <laughs> like, if he survives corona and then he just goes, those are losers, they don't know how to deal with corona. Me and COVID are okay. We're A-okay. <laughs> like, that would be... You know, but I've, I've never seen a middle-aged to, to eight elderly man play social media so well. I have never, this will go down in history as he just revolutionized social media. Whether we like it or not, he's shown that he doesn't need mainstream news. He's shown it over and over and over again. He's the, he's the guy who shouts the loudest and people listen to him. And whether you hear him or listen to him, fact remains, somewhere, somehow, you heard what he was about to say, even if he says nothing. People just know, man. It's so frustrating to see him continue to rise. Like, nothing hurts him. It's just, oh, Corona. Well, I beat it, and that's why anyone can do it. See, a mask doesn't help. We were all together and still caught it. Yes, he Open said, the he, restaurants. But he, he said that about being broke, right? <laughs> he was like, I lost a lot of money in Atlantic City. I came back. I was almost bankrupt. My wife, ex-wife, almost took all my money and I came back and you can do it too. If you're telling that to a guy who wants to keep his jet ski and his truck, if you're telling that to that guy, I mean, really, you've got him now because he doesn't want to be a billionaire. All he wants is to keep his jet ski and his truck to be able to go to Yellowstone National Park to watch his baseball games. If he's managed to do that so well. But we, if you watch Get Me Roger Stone on Netflix, I'm not sure if you have, then you realize how you must watch it, boy. Then you realize how America ended where it did with Trump. It it wasn't it was not a coincidence. There was some skill, and despite what we might think about him looking from the outside, he does listen to people that he wants to listen to. Mm -hmm. So you find that a lot of people who are fighting against someone don't listen to a lot of people. If if you and I are enemies and you're the one on the platform. Best believe that whenever I'm coming after you, I'm not listening to anyone else's opinion about what I should be doing to get to you. I will just, re I will just react out of I'll frustration. Yeah. Yes. But the person that's trying to keep their position always surrounds themselves with enough people that are going to tell him the truth. And they do tell him the truth about who he is, but he's accepted who he is. It took him years to get here. And that's what we are taking for granted. There's 24 year old that are agreeing with a man that has done so much over so many years that his ideology and his thinking is stuck in that era and has moved into the new era as well. So he's a man of two centuries. 
shit, man. Like, I really think that we're going to be in a place where his ideologies are going to remain within the American culture, you know, for another generation. Because he yeah. really did. I used to joke about it, but he really did stir up a lot of racists. Like, I used to... Yeah. I jokingly called him the Pied Piper of racism. <laughs> and how he just went from town to town, MAGA rally to MAGA rally, just playing a racism flute. They're killing the niggas and we're gonna get them. Building the wall. And these people on board, and it doesn't matter if Trump falls off a cliff, those people are gonna be like, you know, what is it? Oh God, I can't believe I'm gonna quote Raz Al Ghul. <laughs> I'm gonna butcher the quote, but basically, a man can be killed, but if you make yourself something bigger than a man, become an ideal, and they can never kill that. It was some shit like that's basically what the fuck he said to Bruce Wayne before he became Batman. That's what Trump is. Trump is he's an ideal now. Yes. You have to legislate out ideals. You have to shame publicly, shame ideals, and you have to vote out ideals. And so, yeah. I'm hoping that that's where we, you know, that's where we can get to. But Roy, to, to quote another Razangul <clears throat> disciple, in this case, <laughs> the infamous Dane, it would be. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. Yes. Molded by it. By it. <laughs> you know? In fact, I didn't see the light until I was a young man. And by then it was blinding. So right. all, all of it's like trying to gossip about your granddad on social media and he has a social media account. So <laughs> it would be easier to formulate. Remember when Obama went in. It was easy to galvanize people to vote for him and make him trendy on social media because his people who were running against him did not embrace social media. So right, right, right now, here's your granddad with his crazy ideologies and racism rhetoric on social media. And on Facebook, retweeting and reposting bullshit. And he's got more followers than you. So every time you say something, he goes, trash trash they like granddad what must we do he's like i've been here before you know i've, I've seen vietnam i've seen this i've seen that i've seen the stock market crash i've seen i've seen i've seen i've done everything so what can you tell me you know what is what is the last disaster that you faced if this man was alive during vietnam he was alive during the stock market crash he was alive during 9 11 as a human being let alone the head of state as a rich white man of privilege there's really nothing that a 20-something-year-old white or black person can tell him. He will always shout the loudest and he's already beat you at a game that you're supposed to have invented. Social media, talking to invincible people and galvanizing them to create votes. No Republican president has ever done that. Talking to invincible people to do something that changes how the country's ran by electing you into power. Beat your own, beat you at your own game. He's a true scholar of Rosanbu. 
what if Trump was there? Yeah, you're right. He's Trump is the joker. I took your game and I turned it on its head. Yep. And what are you going to do about it now? Because he always goes, your move. Because I always feel like whoever tries to fight Trump is not angry enough to sway to the opposite direction to beat him at his anger. So if you argue with someone who's already angry, you're already losing because you are getting angry about his anger. But we haven't had a candidate that has super far right or left imposing views who says, I believe that black or Hispanic people should have this. Everyone is inclusive. Everyone who argues with him begs him to become inclusive, right? The other thing with, with politics in America, and this is where I think sometimes the Democrats forget what they're doing, um, it's, it's professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it is a character. Of yeah. course, you, there's policy and all that behind it, but Trump mastered the art of character. Obama yeah. really had some of that Dwayne The Rock Johnson swag yeah. as well. And like that swag was coming through in 04 when he spoke at the DNC, and they was like, he going to be the next motherfucker. Watch. Yeah. Hillary didn't have that same charisma, which is why she ended up losing to him in the primaries in 08. What the Dem like, like, okay, if we're just going to use Trump having COVID as a perfect example. Yeah. Trump comes down with COVID. All the Democrats come out and go, don't wish death on them. Shame if you do. We wish them yeah. a recovery. Um, and then there was questions about whether or not, um, whether or not um, Joe Biden would suspend his campaign, right? Then Trump starts tweeting. Now, mind you, this man is supposed to be all sick and injured and and death oh, don't don't campaign against me because I'm hurting even though I'm out making videos and driving around the hospital. <laughs> this man that, that the Democrats have decided to show sympathy upon, just from a tactical standpoint of running an election. I'm not talking about the morals of wishing to just how do you run your campaign when your candidate is injured? Motherfucker, you're supposed to run harder. But they was all, well, we we wish him well, and we see. No, at minimum, just go, look, this is what happened when you don't take shit seriously. Look at them all over there coughing. I hope they get better, but they wouldn't be coughing if they had taken it seriously. You need a candidate. That, but we didn't get that, at least not yet. So what I'm saying, man, is that this is professional wrestling. Your opponent is down, and you've decided to say something nice about him. And then yeah. the first time he gets a hold of his Twitter account, he goes, them motherfuckers is trash. Don't vote for them. Vote for He's literally still campaigning from the deathbed that you're wishing him well upon. So at minimum, run your campaign. Just run your campaign. Can you at least do that? And I just don't know if... I just don't know, bro, if Democrats have, will ever have that. Because they, people think that there's some sort of nobility yeah. in getting the honorable win. Yes, yes. It's moving. It's conditioning. It's conditioning. It's the movies, Roy. There is a time and place for morality, and I understand that. But it yeah. is not immoral to at least just continue to run your campaign. Just do that. Yeah. Just anything come on like, bro. <laughs> you know. 
that that's the part of it that I really wish the Democrats would turn up on. But both of these parties have to get younger, and yeah. we'll see a cultural shift in the behavior yep. of how campaigns are conducted. Because you know, like it's got it's got to get young, and you know it's getting there, but not this year. That's crazy. I think that's what I wanted to ask. That's what I wanted to ask. I was like, why, why, why is it this time there's less famous African American personalities on the campaign trail urging people to vote? What, where does the the reluctance come from? But I guess you've answered that in a way. I think that there's less. When you're talking about black celebrities, or are we talking yes, about yes, famous yes. black politicians? No, no, celebrities, celebrities. I think that there's less active. I think that there's less black celebrities active because this isn't a candidate we can truly be excited about. It's just they tell you vote, but they ain't like out there making full blown. I think I read a report where I think Jermaine Dupri, Jeezy, and a couple other um, like um, Atlanta rappers are getting together to make some, you know, some pro vote videos. Like, yeah, because what you see now, if you really peep game with Black Hollywood, the message is vote. It's not vote Biden. It's yes. vote. Vote. Register to vote. You know, before it was vote Obama. Vote Obama. Obama or use a piece of shit, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm puffy. $50. Vote or die. Well, now it's just like, hey, make sure you vote. Your voice matters. It's your, who should I vote for? Just vote. Your voice matters. <laughs> All right. I don't fucking know which one to take it. They're both kind of got their pluses and minuses, but just don't take this out. <laughs> the energy is different. I just think that this is a this isn't a candidate that you can unequivocally get behind. And if you do, then you run the risk of hurting your own bottom line. Yeah. Which is wild, you know. It's crazy that the black consumer is probably one of the most forgiving when it comes to transgressions from our performers. But, you know, in this time, especially when money's tight, there's no way to tour. Yeah. Streaming dollars might be down. The last thing you want to do as a black entertainer is get on the internet and say something that pisses off half of your fan base. <laughs> no, vote for Biden. Motherfucker, he locked up my daddy in 92. <laughs> now you sell less tickets because <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no there was Obama was a much safer candidate to scream to the high heels for. Hell, even Hillary. Yeah. Biden yeah. not as much. Yeah. Biden there's, there's still gonna be a little bit of clapback if you scream yeah. Biden or you see screaming Kamala and <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't. I wish they would. I wish they would say more, you know. But they don't. Um, I mean, shit. We got just black Trump supporters and black energy. Yeah, and, and they still. I saw the him. the boxer. He wasn't at the white the heavyweight champion. What's his name? He was at the White House taking a picture with. Is it Mike Tyson? I think. It was, no, no, no. I know Tyson. Tyson has spoken highly of Trump on the record during his term. Um, was it um? Deontay Wilder. Oh, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, there's a um, Trump at the White House. There's a there's a couple of black MMA fighters that support Trump, and you know, it, 
they're out there, but they're also still selling tickets, still making money, still like R. Kelly had people show up to his fucking court arraignment to support him. So there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of flexibility if you've got talent. <laughs> <laughs> there's been two times in my life. So I used to do prank phone calls uh, for morning radio. That was my thing. Get up and call people and tease them about something. Your daughter hit my son. I'ma come fight you. Well, come fight me then, motherfucker. Like that type of stuff. And then you tell them at the end of the call, ha ha ha, it's a prank. And then everything, it's all love at the end. So it's two times people have tried to run up on me over a prank phone call to like fight me in a public place. Um, because some people they not with them jokes, man. Some people just not with it. Um, so the first time was Jay Prince, who's a well-known uh, music producer, and he lives in Houston. I was in Houston at the time to do a prank call album with this new record label, and we called Jay Prince. Jay Prince was one of the people that we called. I called Jay, and I said, man, all these new artists on your label, they ain't selling shit. I, I work at a record store, and your artists don't sell come to this record store and pick up these goddamn CDs and take them and put them in the trash and in a traditional prank call someone is supposed to get mad I, I insult you, you get mad we, we yell and then I tell you it's a prank and that's it I say this shit to Jay Prince and, and I just urge everyone to google this man so you can just see the stone cold look on his face that's how he looks all the time he does not smile everything is business to this man i said man come over here and get these cds and he just goes okay where you at yeah that's jay prince that's a serious brother right there and so (laughs) so i i say i say to jay well come fight me then you want to come fight me let's fight Oh, this is not a person you should be calling and talking shit to. He's connected in the streets. So I call Jay Prince. I go, all the rappers on your label are trash. None of their albums sell. Come to this record store and get the albums. And he just calmly says, okay, where you at? And that threw me off because like nobody ever says let's fight okay where you at and so the producer that was in the engineer rather that was in the studio with me I can see him get nervous he's nervous and I'm like well fuck y'all y'all and these are people that know Jay Prince they're the ones who gave me his phone number so if they're nervous I should be nervous as well so one of the producers comes on the line he goes hey Jay it's uh, such that we were just we're just doing a prank phone call. Roy's a comedian from Alabama. We were just doing a prank phone call. We're over here at the studio. He goes, "Oh, y'all at the studio? Oh, I know exactly where y'all at." And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> and so, so now. You know, I, I, I'm in a situation where, okay, I can assume that this gentleman is en route to come whoop my ass. 
I left the studio. I'd been at the studio a total of 30 minutes for what was supposed to be a five-hour recording session. I'm gone. Not only am I gone, I went to the hotel, I got my luggage, and I went to the airport, and I flew back to Birmingham. I was in Houston, Texas a total of like five hours and just took the next flight back to Birmingham because I had landed that morning and went straight to the studio and then just went right back to the fucking airport. I was like, whatever flight you got, just my nigga, get me to Memphis. I'll figure out how to get to Alabama. If you can just get me to Memphis, I ain't got to go to Birmingham. And so... So that's like 2006, 2007 when that happens, right? Now, I never perform in Houston in between. Just just because of the economics of stand-up. The Texas, there's a plethora of local comics within the state. So they don't really fuck with out-of-towners unless you're somebody that can sell tickets as a headline. I wasn't there yet. So there was never a reason to tickets. So fast forward to a year or two ago. Uh, Jay Prince uh, wrote an autobiography and he's going around promoting it and I tell that story on Twitter about the you know him the prank call and him coming driving to the studio to come you know beat my ass Jay Prince goes on Sway and Sway calls me and gives me the opportunity to apologize so, on, on live on MTV, Sway sets it up so I can apologize to Jay Prince. And I do, right? And then Sway asks Jay, he goes, just for the record, Jay, had you actually turned your car around to go to that studio? And then Jay Prince pauses and he goes, I just wanted to laugh with him. said he was a comedian they said he tell jokes well I wanted to go up to the studio and see if we could have a laugh and I've never been more proud about being right like like you know you look back on your life and you go there's one right decision I have made like we all have regrets but we also should look back at the moments in our life where we go yeah I made the right choice <laughs> 